Hey everyone, it's Paul Durham. Welcome to Telling Lies to Children. Uh, today I welcome Kent Davis. Kent is the author of A Riddle in Ruby. It's a middle grade, uh, middle grade fantasy published by Green Willow Books. That's an imprint of HarperCollins. The second book in uh, that trilogy is out on September 27th. So if you are listening uh, today on the, the day of the, of the podcast, it is out now. Uh, and that is called A Riddle in Ruby, The Changer's Key. And this was the first time I had a chance to actually talk with Kent. And uh, it was one of those conversations that just flew by before we knew it. We'd been on the phone for almost an hour together. He is a former uh, actor. Uh, he does all sorts of writing workshops. He's been doing writing workshops for years. I think uh, he's been doing improv workshops. Um, lives out in Montana. And just a just a fun guy, really uh, really interesting guy to listen to and, and chat with, and um, write some pretty cool stuff too. So uh, hang in there through the uh, intro and pick it up with me and Kent Davis. Thanks for joining us. Shh. Are the kids gone? Good. It's time for telling lies to children with me, your host Paul Durham. This is a first-of-its-kind podcast, one hosted by a children's author, that's me again, but intended for adults who live and breathe children's literature, that's you. Whether you're a librarian, a media specialist, a teacher, or a parent, we all work with children every day. But sometimes, it's nice to talk like adults with adults who share our love of children's books and publishing. I'll be chatting with editors at the world's biggest publishing houses, literary agents, award-winning authors, booksellers, librarians, and even young readers. Join me and my guests as we give you a candid, behind-the-scenes look at children's publishing, the business of telling lies to children. But only the best kinds of lies, of course. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time out to to be on my little podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I mean, here, a thousands of miles away from you. Well, all the well, maybe all the better because you know, again, I'm not, I'm not always the most pleasant person to have to be in a room with. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the, but yeah, the great thing the great thing about you know podcasting is you can do them remotely, so you can catch up with people in all sorts of remote places, like uh, like. You know, Montana. People think I'm re remote in New Hampshire, but you got me beat. Yeah, although it sounds like it sounds like uh, in terms of a sort of a, a spiritual nature, uh, I think Vermont and New Hampshire. Although I I don't know, is Vermont like saying like lumping them together? That's is that's a sin, isn't it? You know, it doesn't bother it doesn't bother me. But I'm from New Hampshire, so maybe we don't get as uptight about that. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, I'm also from Southern New Hampshire, which is we're almost we're almost growing into like a Massachusetts suburb at this point um uh -huh. i mean not not really it's still very wooded and 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 um far more rural than than some urban setting but right. um but yeah north you know we a lot of times you hear people refer to northern new england so that's kind of, that's maine new hampshire vermont and uh, and yeah there's a lot of sort of kindred spirits uh up here uh, uh more so than when you get into southern new england but um i was i was in montana many years ago i did uh, and it, it was absolutely um absolutely gorgeous yeah it's a beautiful country that's what they say uh where were you in uh montana so i'm, I'm gonna try now this is where so i get confused i spent some time in wyoming and montana um are the are the grand tetons is that in montana right the grand tetons are grand tetons, uh, right yeah. yeah that's the southern edge of yellowstone yep. park so like around jackson hole kind of thing yep so that's um, where, that, that, that's where that's where i was we we rode trail horses and the grand tetons oh, yeah yeah awesome yeah so that was so that was pretty cool now is that is that near where you are are you are you somewhere because i know montana montana is not a little state by any means no no it's huge it's uh it's i think i think it's as big as japan it's like the fourth largest state and we have <laughs> we have like a million people um that's all right uh uh yeah i i actually live in bozeman which is um just just actually the other side of 
kind of Yellowstone Park from from where you were. So it's a uh, southwestern. It's a little valley um, just right at the southwestern tip of right. the. Of, so yeah, that's that's where I live. Yeah. Are we? So are we doing? Are we in podcast mode? Are we not in we, podcast? Mode? We're, we're in podcast mode, Kent. This is this is what I do. I just jump right in. I oh my gosh! <laughs> and we start and, and we start talking. I should have prepped you for that, I guess. Huh? <laughs> That's totally okay. No, I, uh, I I I I feel very very comfortable and and warm in the basket of your podcast now. Uh, okay. I, I'm glad. I, I try to keep the I try to keep the podcast basket as warm as possible. I and, think that's yeah. really important. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. You don't want it to be cold and and and, uh, and icy by any means. Um, but it's just con- you know, it's just it's just conversation. You know, we we are the, the way I the way I treat these podcasts is you know, you and I are are we, we've never had a chance to speak before. It's just you know, catching <clears> up, <throat> talking about books, talking about our uh, you know, our writing, our craft, the remote places we live, and if uh, <laughs> and if somebody wants to eavesdrop in, and uh, you know, hopefully there are some librarians and readers and things like that out there eavesdropping, all the better. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Well, great. Yeah. Um, so, so what, I mean, why don't we, uh, let me ask you, I always ask all writers this when I have a chance to talk with them for the first time. Um, have you always been a storyteller ever since you were a kid or, or how, how did you, uh, how'd you find you, how, how do you find your way to where you are now? Yeah, I, I, that's, that's always been the one kind of, uh, I guess constant in my life. Um, yeah, I started, I, I, I think the first, the first book I wrote was I was like seven years old. I think I wrote a book about a gnome, a really little gnome with a really big hat. Um, and then I just kind of kept on writing stories and also and also telling stories. Actually, writing stories was not it wasn't my first thing. I wasn't one of those people that uh, just started uh, that that sat and and wrote page after page after page after stories. I, I've always been a, a sort of a collaborative storyteller i guess um i got into role-playing games when i was really young like dungeons and dragons i had a friend uh who brought me over when we started um and and basically we started you know reading these books and seeing all these amazing pictures and 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 telling stories together and and i got and i got really involved in theater and that was my main kind of uh kind of venue for all of high school and and college and actually then um going on to graduate school and that was that was my kind of first storytelling life was i was um uh, an actor and a director for most of my sort of 20s and 30s um and i always uh it's always been a, a a the touchstone for me and it's it's kind of you know that's how i feel like that's that's the thing that we all have in common so deeply is telling stories and it's you know i'm i uh i'm not a scientist and i'm not a cook and i i actually uh you know decided i was going to go to i I was well i was going to give it all up and i was going to go to law school um and you know work staff in dc or something like that but i was hanging up side down from a lighting grid at like three o'clock in the morning um, in my junior year in college, uh, and I, I totally blew off a really important paper in one of my pre-law classes because I was so much more interested in telling the story, right. And finishing that part of my life. And that was kind of the, the massive shift, I guess. Well, good for you. You caught, you caught it early. I actually, I, I actually did go on to law school and practice law for many years. So I, I think you, uh, <laughs> I think hanging from, maybe I should have hung from a light when I was an undergrad. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a clarifying experience. Yeah. Certainly. Maybe it's just the upside down though. It could be. Maybe, maybe just, yeah. That might be all the blood yeah. rush to your head. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, so, that, so that's interesting. So, so you, when you were, um, from that first story about the, the big hatted gnome, uh, yeah. And, and then obviously going in and acting in theater, it, as far as how did you make that transition into actually, obviously, you know, you can, you tell stories, as an actor and as a director in a, in a different form, how did how did you start to make that shift to actually to actually writing writing it in prose? And were you always interested in fantasy? That sort of the the role playing influence was that always there with you as you as you got older and started to um, you know, put your thoughts down on paper? Yeah, I was always I've always been uh, a huge fan of uh, the the kind of the speculative side of 
of fiction. That's 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 I cut my I think my brother, you know, my brother introduced me to to the Lord of the Rings books and uh, uh, and and the Silmarillion and, and and basically all of that sort of fantasy nerd stuff when I was very young. And I just always have cottoned to it. I love the idea of stakes and risk and 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 also and also I've always just um I, I think you can talk more about how people deal with one another with this kind of veil of kind of fantasy in between. You can talk about things that people get a little prickly talking about when you're when when you're just talking about them sort of bald faced. Um but yeah I was uh I I I started writing um actually writing role playing games um with a guy that I know in Bozeman and that's kind of where I uh that's kind of how how I how I, how I got involved in I, I guess that it it's 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 an interesting thing to talk about uh but yeah I was so I was uh I was working uh with a theater company here in 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 Bozeman I, I moved here from Los Angeles I, I guess about 15 years ago because I wanted to tell stories to the community um because in, in LA it's uh, I mean there's a lot of theater and there's a lot of uh, uh, television and film, obviously, but but a lot of the theater that you're doing is for your colleagues or for uh, uh, for agents and managers trying to get representation, right? And so people kind of um, go to shows as as a kind of a currency. Um, and I really wanted to live in a place where uh, we we're telling stories with you know the person who was the waiter at the at the at the coffee shop or the person who is who, who's a rancher and having them all get together. Um, and that was really fun for a while, but I wanted to tell bigger stories eventually than you could do in two hours, I think. And I think that that's kind of how I transitioned to, um, writing my own stuff. And, uh, and yeah, and, and I want to, I definitely want to talk about that, but, but one of the things in your bio that just cracked me up and, and, and if we could talk, if, we, if one, one of many things, but if we could, in talking about your time in LA, you, sure. talk, you, you talk about some of your, uh, your film and television credits, uh, <laughs> they include uh, portraying an array of concerned friends, overbearing flunkies, and odd yet amusing next door neighbors, which <laughs> which I think is great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, did you did you spend did, I mean, did you spend a lot of time going to auditions and sort of getting cast in those? Uh, I guess maybe somewhat less than supporting roles, or or can you talk a little bit about that? Because I I think it's really interesting. It's a world that obviously I'm not part of and never have been, but. Oh yeah, totally. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that has always been kind of, um, uh, the niche that I've filled, um, ever since I was, ever since I was, I was actually pretty young. It's always been about, I, I've always had a, I, I don't know, maybe it's a, um, uh, predilection or it's just, or it's just my essence or something, um, where, it, it, you're I, I'm always the the like the odd guy not the odd guy in the corner because that sounds creepy right. uh, <laughs> but, um, I'm not charactering enough to be uh, a, a very very charactery person and I'm certainly not like a leading man and and also there's a little bit of a uh, sense of humor that that goes in there as well so I I've been slotted uh, well I was I was always uh doing those sort of parts that were about um, uh, the, the, you know, the wisecracking friend or the, the kind of nice, nice guy who, uh, you know, picks you up by the side of the road, but isn't, uh, I, again, I keep on protesting that I'm not creepy. So that may, <laughs> I'm not certain what that's about, but, um, but, but yeah, so, so arriving in Los Angeles. So, so yeah, spent, uh, three years in graduate school being stripped down to uh, having all of my defenses removed and, you know, becoming a vulnerable sort of sort of emotional athlete who was really, really able to respond immediately to any stimulus and then thrown into this sort of city of sharks and terror. Right. <laughs> um, not, a, not a place for nice guys like you, Kent. Well, right. uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, but but it actually it actually uh, I, I love Los Angeles. I had a great time living there yeah. and it's full of amazing people. But but I think that the the thing that was really interesting to me to 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 sort of realize and I think that I think that this is a word about I don't know. Our, our, 
American culture or something like that is is that there's this kind of mythology of the um, of Marilyn Monroe at the you know at the soda fountain, right? And where you're you're uh, you're you're there and you are discovered, and um, and I, and that's actually something that transitioning. I know I'm I'm sort of going off of uh, this is this is going further afield, but that's kind of how I talk. So that's, that's just good. That's know, how I listen. Yeah, keep going. Just reel me back. Um, I think that there was a, there was a thing there was a thing that I got really familiar with uh, while living in LA, which is um, this kind of idea of what is failure, because uh, because we have a we, it's it's really our our culture is all about success, right? Or not our culture? I don't know American culture. Yeah. Um, but going on auditions is. Um, you discover very quickly or, or or one does discover very, very quickly that it is it's all about um, it's all about navigating this idea of what is failure, because uh, uh, I, I think I booked about five percent of the jobs that I went out on when I was there, which is actually uh, pretty great uh, inside of that venue. But it also means that 95 of the percent of the jobs you don't book. And, um, and so what that turns into is a very, very, uh, quick, um, diagnostic of your ability to sort of, uh, exist as a creative person in, in a, in, in a landscape where you're really only, um, uh, you have to sustain yourself in other ways and, and you can't think about your own you can't think about your own self-identity as whether or not you booked a job, right? Or whether or not you were, uh, you were chosen. And I think that that, that really affected me because it, it, it pushed me more and more towards making my own work as well. And, and also trying to figure out, you know, who I was creatively as opposed to trying to get the cookie, right. you know? Right. Yeah. Well, what a great lesson, what a great lesson to learn. Um, and, and, and I mean, it, it, it maybe, you know, you'll have to learn it the hard way. Probably wasn't always fun learning that lesson. Um, but I imagine that, that if you're, and we'll get, we'll get to your story about your, your sort of path to, to writing and getting published. But I imagine those lessons learned in, in Los Angeles on those days of auditions and rejections and not booking every gig uh -huh. was, was, were probably pretty helpful when it came time to submit manuscripts and look for agents and stuff like that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, again, maybe I'm painting you with a, with a, with a broad brush that, that covers a lot of us, but not your story, but, um, Oh, I, I, th I think that's exactly it. I mean, uh, uh you can't, I, I, there's that, there's that really, really sort of, uh, I, I think for anybody who makes stuff and wants to share it with people, uh, you know, writing is a really, um, shocker it's a pretty personal exercise and so the idea of of putting your creative output out there into the world and having people assess it um to decide whether or not they want to get on your get on your um get on your train <laughs> or uh, uh is it can be um a very very dicey exercise right it's it, it it's kind of be can kind of be mind-numbingly um I think, uh, well, I think it can be very, very intimidating. And it, I, I think you're right. It was a really, really useful thing to at least develop on, on, you know, your better days, this idea of I am, this is the thing that I have made, but it is not me. If you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, which is, which is a, you know, that's, that's challenging. So, so, uh, and, and I would, I would love to spend tons of time uh, talking about LA. And like again, I could, I could tell you're one of those guys, Kent, where we could go on and on and on, and before you know it, two hours will roll by. But, yeah, but hear me, hear me. <laughs> but, um, but, but, so how? Okay, so, so how did let's let's talk a little bit about that. How did um, uh, your first book, uh, uh, Riddle and Ruby, right? Mm -hmm. um, how did what? How, you know what? How did that come about? Where did you, you've you've moved to Montana at that point, right? You're, you're right. Um, involved with the theater. Um, yeah. it, it was this a book that was had had been in you for a long time, and then you sat down and you were just sort of channeling something when you wrote it. Was it something that was it? Was there something at that time in your life that that prompted you to to sort of make this move and sit down and, and write a novel? Uh, how did it start out? How did it how did it work for you? Well, I actually, I'm, um, I'm a person that really gets excited by, um, setting and also images. 
So uh, I had this I had this picture in my head for a really long time. I was walking around with it and I didn't know what it meant or where it was coming from of this girl in a tricorn hat in a whiskey barrel with like articulated metal kind of steampunk legs. Okay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it, yeah. It's a standard image, you right. know. Yeah, sure. I see it every day in New Hampshire. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, and I was, it, 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 and so I started. Um, one of the things that I, 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 I wrote a lot of plays before this, um, which were odd, um, and and also being being sort of interested in magic. I, I started thinking about like what what like what is this image about and I was talking to uh, I teach at the university and I was talking to um, my TA who was a, a mechanical engineer at the time and I asked him just uh, in conversation as you do you know okay so what would in um, in colonial America what would be necessary for uh, for uh, the industrial revolution to have happened and he said and he looked at me for a while and he thought about things and he started writing down on a piece of paper and he said, well, control of temperature and uh, hardness of metal. And I was like, oh, oh okay, that's interesting. Uh, and at, this, at the same time, I had this um, part of our game, we have a system uh, uh, which is kind of based on, loosely based on alchemy, which is essentially high-powered chemistry, right? You're able to bend the laws of chemistry with your brain with, and your own personal mojo. So you can, you know, turn solids into liquids and liquids into gases. And uh, and so that kind of that kind of magic led me to this idea of a colonial America that was thrust forward by by kind of arcane science. And that and that just got me totally jazzed. And I started thinking about the setting Um, uh, and this girl kept on popping up. Um, and I've always loved stories about, I, I love stories about pluck and gumption and I also love American mythology and I kind of wanted to write a story about that. And so the pieces kept on falling together until I had this girl, uh, who's a thief. Cause I'm not a fan of chosen one narratives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's funny. Uh, uh, my, my wife and I happened upon luck ugly's kind of late in the game in terms of my um in terms of my writing uh uh ruby but i've always but i've i always thought that there was a little bit of a it felt very very familiar reading about rye because i feel like there's a lot of sort of similar pieces that kind of got uh put together in uh completely different ways but but also sort of fun ways that 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 you know that that heroine who is uh you know having female protagonists is just I think so great and so important in the fantasy adventure realm because you, because more so now you're, you're I think we're finding them quite a bit more now but um, but they they were they were pretty uh, few and far between for a while there so I think it's I think it's important and and I and I think um, you know like we're both doing I think it, I think it's great to to shine a light on young female protagonists in a, in a different sort of way than they have traditionally been portrayed in, in literature. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, and I've always been, um, I love, uh, I have, I have loved, uh, uh, you know, Lyra Balacqua, Philip from Philip Pullman's books yep. has always been kind of a touchstone for me too. I, I just, uh, I, I, I love, a girl or a or a boy i i mean that, that's the other thing too is that there are um i do i get i get a i i i feel like i feel like too i don't want to be I, I don't want to be that guy that says well well you know my my, my girl is redefining the <laughs> of the heroine because there are a whole lot of men and women that have written um heroines and, and heroes for for kids literature but 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 at the same time i yeah i i love being in that place um and it felt it just felt right w- to, t- to tell the story that it was a girl rather than a boy but um but yeah it just kept on it kept on growing and 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 uh, and my 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 wife has uh also been a fan of uh, books like this for years and years and years and um playing with those ideas of of what is heroic action and what's brave and 
um, how do you, how much do you sacrifice for your friends? And, and, and also how do you, how do you discover who you are? I think that those, those sort of ideas are, are so, um, I, I feel like it's a little bit easier to access them if you're in mortal danger. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yep. I mean, I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a, um, a crucible there that allows you to kind of examine the questions of, of uh, who's, who's a good friend and who's not. Um, if you're battling a monster or if you are, or if you're trying to save your parents from, you know, being thrown into the chasm of some sort of evil something. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, and I think, I, I don't know about you. I love, I mean, I love gray areas when you're, when you're exploring uh, characters, especially especially in kids' books, and and the idea of right and wrong, and how that gets blurred sometimes, and how you know heroes don't always wear uh, pure white hats. Sometimes their hats get a little dirty and gray, <laughs> and the villains shouldn't always wear black hats. Um, every now and then, you know, they do have their moments of humanity and things like that. And, and to me, those that's what makes rich, interesting characters. And I and I th- for me that, that those those are the type of characters that make great great kids' books because it's not it's it's not uh cut and dry or simple it's kind of like life which is pretty complicated and dirty at times oh yeah absolutely i think that that's really uh, I, I that's those are those are the best stories to me where you have a character who is um forced to choose between two options neither of which is really great <laughs> right and right, neither of right. which is going to solve everything right you you um uh, you make you make choices where where sacrifices have to be made and and that sort of that sort of story is so exciting i had a um my one of my one of my best favorite directing teachers um uh in school i, I was working with and i was working on this um role that was really challenging for me i just could not figure it out and it was um a person I identified as as the bad guy of the play, right? And and this is not, I mean, this is not uh, for a lot of people. This is not an insight, but it really was for me at the at the time. I said I, I, we were talking one day and after rehearsal, and I was saying, you know, I can't, I can't figure this out. I don't know, I don't know what to hang this performance on. And he looked at me for a while and he said, you know, the thing is, Kent, you're you're you are you are playing this guy as. The, the bad guy. He doesn't think of himself as the bad guy. He thinks of himself as the person who is um, uh, pursuing uh, goals that are very, very important to him. And uh, he's he's trying to help everybody understand that um, what they need to do to to make the world better is to is to go along on 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 his train. And and that's always been something that really stuck with me. I um uh, if you've got a like a snidely whiplash sort of villain or, or a series of rogues or whatever that are doing things just for the sake of, you know, burning down the world. I think it, 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 it's really hard to come up with any sort of interesting nudge up against them, especially if you're writing like, like you and I did, for example, if you're writing a series of books um, where you, where those people have to grow too. Right. Yep. Yep. They can't be just one note. Otherwise they're very boring. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that exactly what you said, you know, in, in it, I am not sure. I think we do our, I, I think we do our kids a little bit of a disservice if our, um, and again, this is like, uh, I think about Ursula Gwen, right. Uh, and the, the wizard of Mercy books, uh, her, her world is so, her worlds are so complex and gray. Um, and, there aren't simple answers to questions. And I think that that's actually much more reflective of, of how humans deal with one another. Um, we, we don't have simple questions, uh, simple answers. There are, there are, um, there, there are only uh, kind of inching forward towards some sort of thing that's going to make you a little bit happier, which is, I, I know it's like kind of dreary <laughs> to say that. Um, but I think that that's, that, that you can get, you can get so much mileage out of stories if it's about, um, you know, well, if, if you choose door a, uh, crazy, horrible, amazing things are going to happen. And if you choose door B different, crazy, horrible, amazing things are going to happen. Uh, yeah. 
Somebody at somebody at, at Dorsey. My dog, I think, my dog, I think, is just uh, occasionally uh, excitable. That's, that's great. He's not. He's not. He or she is not the first dog who's made an appearance on this podcast. So, <laughs> so no worries. Thanks, Bobo. Is, Bobo was excited about that. So, um, so, so yeah. Okay. So, so, so you have your. So, and again, this is where I, I'll. You, you talk about yourself. I'll lead you off onto complete tangents, and we'll never get back to. <laughs> never get yeah, back yeah, to the original that's question. Cool. Cool. But yeah, but but so so you're again so you you have this you have this image of the girl in the tricorn hat and you have the yes. right so in, in the in the the whiskey barrel or the bucket with the mechanical legs and mm-hmm. so the setting prompts you to 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 you know, write the story write this book and so where do you go from there I mean how how long was how was the process for you Did it take you a long time to write that first draft was it a, a sort of a leap of faith or was it something that you once you you got started you just motored right through it or or how did that go for you oh yeah no it was it was definitely not a i i sat down on a weekend on the veranda and and it just came to me right yeah uh in the middle of uh, between my mojitos um <laughs> no. wouldn't it, would it, would it be nice if it worked that way it, it really would i'm a fan of that 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 hemingway quote you know uh, writing is easy all you have to do is sit down at the at the typewriter and bleed yeah yeah uh um but uh no it i actually started writing a a uh it, it felt a little bit like a short story, um, but I, I I was really interested in this idea of um, uh, uh, a girl who is she's she's the she's the hero of the story, but she's not um, I don't know prophesied or chosen. Uh, she's not she's not a she, like she's not destined to save the world, right? She's actually the secret that she's carrying around was actually uh, put into her uh, by, by people. And so she has to sort of navigate this idea of, of, of who she is, not necessarily, or, or who everybody else wants her to be. And I really liked, I really liked that idea of um, having a story that uh, the, the main character inside of was, was actually trying to, trying to solve as she was navigating it. You know, I, I think about like, you know, the encyclopedia Brown stories and, and stuff like that. Um, so I started to write this story about um, this apprentice thief who's um, who is suddenly for some reason uh, unknown to her and her family uh, hunted. Um, and, and I like, uh, and again, uh, the, the idea of not necessarily having lords or ladies or kings and queens. Uh, her her family is her dad is a is a fake pirate. Um, so they run a they run a ferry service between uh, Philadelphia and Boston, um, where they they basically get uh, you know sort of well heeled people to come along with them, and they pretend to be pirates while they give them a nice dinner and like put on a show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to be a pirate. <laughs> I totally, it totally is. Um, and then, and then it just it. Uh, there are there are you know mysterious strangers and and um, fascinating people that that kind of get woven into the story, and it turns into this. Uh, it turns into a chase through uh, an alternate history Philadelphia, where uh, she's trying. She and her friends are trying desperately to stay ahead of. Uh, the forces that are pursuing them all the while trying to, you know, um, rescue her father, uh, who's, um, who's, who's been sort of captured in, 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 in the midst of, of kind of all these ideas of, of, of her being hunted. And it, um, and so I try to, and what I like, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a improvisational comedian. I like, I think that, I think that you can, you can actually get more done with a story with humor than not. So there's a there's a whole bunch of funny stuff as well, and including a, you know, a kind of a wily, unfaithful, mostly faithful servant. And um, and and so yeah, the process turned into um, knowing where I wanted to go uh, for the end of the story, but basically establishing just a few bases um, of, of of scenes that I, I kind of thought were really necessary for the story, and then and then trying to chart the best way, um, the best and most I, I think efficient way from one base to the other, and the the, the whole process took about two and a half years uh, to write, and then um, there were you know there were and, and along that way there were revisions. I've never ever been a person that can just 
put things down. I think that's part of put things down and, and, and lock it in. I, I think that's part of, it comes from my theatrical background. Um, when you're in a room working on a play, there's always that moment where someone says, well, this isn't working. Let's try this. Or can you give that a shot? Or, um, you know, what if we flip this or what if we turn things around? So my, my process is really, uh, it, it's all about, uh, yeah, this one little tiny piece works, throw out the rest and start writing from there. And it's, and it's, it's, it's very, very stop, start, push, pull you. Um, but it eventually gets to a place where I think you're, um, uh, well, at least I was happy with it. <laughs> yeah, that was a very, a very effective technique, and, and obviously a, a really, you know, as much as it's um, an alternative, you know, Boston, Philadelphia, it's still a, it's a, still a, a, a highly imagined. You know, there's a lot of world building that goes on in there. So, so when let me ask you when you were, when you were writing the first book, mm-hmm. um, was your was your strategy? I, I, I mean, inevitably at some point you got you got it in your head the crazy idea of gee, I'm going to try to get this published. We can yeah. talk about that, but but just just out of curiosity, when you wrote it, did you write it as okay? This is going to be a standalone book that can stand by itself, but it's such a big, rich world that I can see that this could be a trilogy or an ongoing series. Or did you sort of did you see it as a series from the outset? What was your mindset as you were working on that that first that first book that first, those early drafts of that manuscript? Well, the first time the 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 first bit that I was uh, the first time I was writing it, I was like, ah, oh, this is a this is a YA fantasy. Because I started going to SCBWI workshops, right, and uh, started learning um, um, the ways that people categorize the stories that I like to tell. And I was like, oh, okay, so it sort of fits. If, if you look at it from the side and you squint in a certain way, it sort of fits into what I think that category is. So I'm going to write that. Um, and I was talking to an agent at this workshop, uh, and I, I basically spun out the the tapestry right for him <laughs> he, was, he was like well what's your book about and i was like well this and this and it's a it's a you know it's a it's a frontier setting uh it's right on the edge of you know the deep forest and then they go into the forest and then they come back out and there's uh all sorts of questions of technology and what is it to be a society and he was like you know this is like Ken, this is a great it's it's really fascinating it's like you're talking to me about four books not one um and I went, uh, I guess, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, and, and so it was sort of a, it was sort of a, you know, uh, a, a realization that the story that I was trying to tell in my head was much larger than what a traditionally sized YA book would be because, mm-hmm. um, and actually, and actually, uh, from there, I, um, I really, I really wanted to. I, I got to the place where I, I felt like I had finished the book, um, I finished the first book, which is essentially the ending point of the first book, uh, where it is. Um, and then I started trying to sell it, and um, eventually, after you know months of submissions and query letters and uh, that whole that whole sort of rigmarole, right, of of researching agents and and trying to decide what kind of agent would would, would maybe be interested in a in a completely unsolicited manuscript and and who might and so I tried to be as strategic as possible about that. Um, it turns out that there was a completely other connection um, uh, that allowed me to find my my agent um, uh, who eventually. Um, you know, got, got the book in front of uh, a number of different editors and my, my house, when we finally sold it to my house, uh, one of the conditions was, um, my, my editor, uh, Martha Mihalik at Greenwillow, uh, basically said, you know, this is, um, it, it's wonderful and hilarious. The world is great. The, the, the girl's fabulous, but I think that this feels much more like a middle grade than a YA. Um, and that was part of the conditions of, of our contract. Uh, but basically one of my first editorial notes was it, this is 92,000 words. You need to cut about 20. Yeah. Or 20. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Middle, middle grade, middle, middle grade of, you know, 75,000 plus words is not, it seems to be, I found it seems to be frowned upon <laughs> by many yeah, in, in the industry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not, it's, it's definitely a kind of a, I feel like, I feel like these books are, 
are they're kind of tweeny and they're um uh, and they are they're long and i like making up words that (laughs) that um that are difficult that you would have a difficult time looking up because they're not real words right uh uh but yeah so Gosh, I don't know what we were talking about. Well, it, well just yeah. I mean, you got into it, which is terrific. Which is which is just the just the process, and and you 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 know you wound up at at, at Green Willow, which is um, for people who don't know, it's that's a, one of HarperCollins's imprints, and and um, so did, so that they 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 bought it as a as a planned trilogy. Uh, is that it, it was it was it was it planned to be a trilogy from the outset? Is that what the idea was? Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. a it's a it's a it's a three book contract, yeah. and I am currently, yeah, I'm currently right now uh, in the middle of a, a revision deadline, which is delightful <laughs> for the third <laughs> for the for the for the for the third one, right? Because the second one is out imminently. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It should be. Uh, it'll it'll uh, Riddle and Ruby two. The changes key comes out on the twenty seventh yep. of September, which is. You know, right Which around is, the corner. Yeah, it's right there. And in fact, I think we're, we'll be airing this probably right on that day. So anyone listening will, can actually, as of today, you can you can go out and uh, go out and find that. But how is the uh, how's the revision on the third going? How's it feel to? Uh, uh, are are you sort of tying up? Are you treating it as a trilogy where you where there is sort of a full arc and you're sort of saying goodbye to your characters, or is there still some is there still a little bit left where places to go, or or how how, how are you feeling having at least written the first or second draft of uh, of that third book in the trilogy? I love uh, yeah, it is definitely it's it's kind of it's it's fascinating um, winding up all the storylines because. The 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 cast of characters from the first book um, is quite different from the cast of characters in the second book, and except for the 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 sort of our our main our main people right Ruby and her friends but uh, but wow uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines um, that are that are coming together and it's a fascinating and it kind of delight it's delightful at times and also infuriating at other times bringing all those storylines together in a way that feels complete and yeah i think um i don't know there's there's lots of i think that i think that you never want to wind up a story where it just feels like you know somebody's life stops (laughs) um but yes the the idea is that there the the that uh that this particular series and also this story it's not that it's not the story of the characters lives but the story of the the story of the book which is kind of about technology and kind of about it's very much about chosen family i think and uh because again growing up in the theater um that's that's something that, that i've always been really really drawn to is this idea of um you know, theaters, most theater kids, I find at least, are uh, are kind of on the outside anyway. Uh, and you're kind of this kind of bad news bears collection of people that have found their way into a dark room where you tell stories together. And part of that reason is you never really, a lot of the times you never really fit in with uh, athletes or popular kids or a band people or I don't know, people who you know are part of the 4-H club. Like it's just weird anyway and and that generally i think there's a there's a kind of an intimacy that grows there where you realize um that the people in this room while they're not your blood right are your they're the people that you've chosen to travel with and to have be part of your life and i really have um that's that's a that's an idea that that really resonates with me and that i wanted to bring to Ruby's story because yeah, she, she grew, she grows up on this pirate ship with her dad and a whole bunch of other sort of, sort of scruffy uncles and, and aunts too, um, who are not necessarily bound by blood, but they're bound by, um, kind of seeing eye to eye with one another. And, and I think that that's a really, I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's the end of the story is, uh, is is the kind of the outset of this idea of you know who do you choose to move forward with? Um, 
well, it's the idea of finding your tribe, right? I mean, I yeah. mean, I mean you, you're talking about the theater kids. That, that also really resonates with me because I think, you know, I, I know what you mean by sort of the theater kids. They kind of feel like they're outsiders. They don't quite fit in with necessarily the quote unquote popular kids or the athletes or, or you know, the student council, whatever it may be. And it's funny that you say that because I've recently found a group that I think even has a is even slightly to depending on what direction you want to put it left or the right of the theater kids. And that's like the creative writers. I don't know if you've experienced this when you've gone into schools at all, but the, the kids who are into just purely writing, like there's uh, most schools that will have some sort of, you know, play production or a drama club or something, something like that. But very few have a place for the kids who just want to write or, or, you know, the, the readers and the writers are sort of, uh, I've done some workshops. I'm starting to do workshops for them. And it's so great to see those kids in one place. Because they're often, you know, they're often introverts, like I, like I am. You, you clearly are not. But <laughs> no, no, no. It's just that, this is the funny thing is that, yeah, yeah I know, seriously, I, am, but I, I, I am. Uh, that's yeah. the weird thing, right? Is I'm, I'm. Uh... Well, you put on, you put on a good act. I mean, that's and that's the, the, the some introverts can put on a great act when it, when you know, they can turn it on when they need to, and then they go home and they collapse and they're exhausted after. <laughs> that, that's exactly what's going to happen. I've already, I've already prepared my nest with body. <laughs> Uh, 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 for after the podcast, but but I, I but I think Paul, yeah, that I, I was at a um I was at a a, a, a book festival presenting to um uh, a group of uh, a, a sort of teen writers group at a library, and we were doing uh, world building together, uh, and we did like this massive kind of sprawling uh, world building workshop where we essentially improved the creation of a brand new setting, and these kids that who's only there and their bond is that they like to tell stories and they like to make things up. Um, and they're, they're so creative and so fertile and so able to just like roll with ideas. But, but, and, and at the same time, um, yeah, this, this, this teen librarian has just created a, a, a really magical refuge for them because yeah, that is hard when you're like when you're like I know I can put these words down on a piece of paper, but it's challenging for me to articulate that to them to you uh, uh, at uh, verbally. <laughs> right, right. You know? and and I think that and I think that having that place where that need to create and that need to sort of witness or channel that uh, those those stories into a into a form that can be you know seen and read by others, um, is it, it, it's, it's wonderful when, when you can sort of witness it or, or be a part of it or encourage it. I really feel like that's, yeah, that's, that's totally. And that's something that I've realized too, as time goes by. Um, and as I've realized going with the whole introversion thing, as I've realized more and more that, um, I do get fueled by being by myself and not necessarily by I, I I'm great with other people and I can like you know throw on the yuck thing and and crack some jokes and fall down and you know get a get a sombrero on my head uh, if there's or a potted plant uh, but whatever whatever may be handy right just throw it yeah on. yeah but that but that costs and the and the way that and, and the way that one can recharge is through you know, going to being by yourself and, and, and witnessing these places and entering into these universes, um, that you make for yourself and to like, to like connect, a, a kid to that idea that what you're, what you're experiencing is not, um, it's, it's not wrong or weird. It's actually just a, a high expression of, uh, of your creative faculties and it's actually awesome. I think that that's, that's, that's like, that's when you feel like you're, you, you come home and you, and you, you've done some good work, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's really amazing. I mean, I, you know, I was one of those people who, you know, growing up as a kid, I always just thought I was a little strange, a little out there. I mean, I, put, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I put on a good act. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like the, the complete kid that, you know, didn't have anybody to sit with. I mean, I had friends and stuff like that, but I was always just way more comfortable in my own skin, in my own place, and in my own imagination. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't start to realize truly that there were other people like that until more along the lines of even even after college, when I really just started, you know, meeting other writers and 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 realized that, that you know that it is okay, and we just we're just wired different. 
<laughs> and it's not. Um, and, and it can, and you know, we can be quirky and difficult to be around for our partners and spouses and things like that sometimes. But, um, but some of us are, you know, we, people do amazing things who are, you know, introverts can do some amazing stuff. And, and, um, and, it, and it really is terrific seeing, helping, like you said, encouraging kids and, and giving kids early on the opportunity to feel like they have found their group or their tribe or, or, you know, and and they tend to come out of their shells more. I found you put you put a bunch of those writer kids with common interests in one room together, and they come out of their shells because they they're they're comfortable. They feel like they're they're among their kind, and and they don't feel like the weirdos because they're you know they're not. Yeah, um, no, they're they're totally not. And yeah. I think that that's and I, that's actually that's actually I um I feel really really lucky. One of the things that I discovered early on in um even in high school. Uh, was uh, improvisation. I used to do like speech and debate and stuff like that. And um, I used to compete in these things called um, improvisational, uh, they call them duos. It's basically two people uh, and it's two high school kids and you give them like three different suggestions and they go off for 30 minutes and, and you make up a thing that the two of you do together and it, and it, and, and like encountering that exploded in my head. Um, and, and so I got interested in improv, um, and studied it and it's been, that's been kind of another one of the the constants in my life. And I actually teach it to, I I use improv to teach to, you know, like businesses and, and, uh, people in the academy and stuff like that as well as, as just as a creative outlet. Um, but the idea of, of getting to, uh, one of the principles of improvisation, right, is, the idea that your your inner critic, right, your inner um, the the voice that tells you um, you better think three or four times before you speak these words because they are weird and other people are not going to accept them, right? Or you better you better um, you better quash down that weird idea that you had because uh, it's gonna it's gonna get you it's gonna get other people to think of you as as different or odd, right? This is the stuff that we've been talking about. I think that, uh, any sort of behavior that allows you to, that allows, uh, a kid or uh, frankly, an adult to sort of stop that, or at least forestall that voice for a little while that basically says, you know, you're, this is, uh, this is, this is a bad idea or, um, you know, what, 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 what are you thinking? What are you doing? This is, you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that you shouldn't do that. Uh, And I'm, and I'm not talking about, you know, like the voice that tells you to um, go knock over a bank or (laughs) yeah, yeah, ignore that one for a little while. Ignore that one. But, but the idea of, but, but um, the, there's a, the, we, we do re we do a really great job in this culture of, uh, of, of teaching people how to figure out a reason why something will not work, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, or yeah. To, to critically assess something so that it will, so that it will, uh, I can tell you 8,000 reasons why that won't work. But, um, but the idea of, of trying to empower your, empower yourself to, to see why, and this is, you know, this is the stuff that, that, um, if you read, you know, Tina Fey's books or Amy Poehler's books, there's, there's a thousand different ways to talk about like, yes, and an improv and, and how that, how that sort of idea can be one that is empowering for you. But I think that for kids, especially, they're so worried about, I teach, um, uh, first year college students. I, I teach honor students, um, as part of my life too. And one of the things that I'm fascinated by is that they come to university having, been, you know, uh, with the idea that the way to succeed is to figure out what the person wants you to say, and then to say it back to them. Um, And they're really good at that. They're very, very skilled. Um, But what that does is it is it is it teaches you it teaches the imagination right out of you. Um, And I think that that's something that that is, is really, really important to address to everybody not just to, to sort of creative writers 
But now I'm on a soapbox, so I'll get down off that soapbox. That's okay. That's, that's okay. I, I, we we have the official telling lies to children soapbox that we pull out from time to time. So, right. okay. but uh, yeah, yeah, feel free to climb up anytime you want. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but, um, but no, I, it, again, it really is important, and and you know, I, I I'm very lucky. I get to work with with kids as well. I I teach um, some college students myself, and and there really is a lot that you know that we can do to to uh, to help them out, help them realize that creativity is uh, you don't just need to be a want to be a writer or a painter or, or a graphic designer for creativity to be important. Um, it's, right. it's, it's really it's really important in, in all aspects of how we think and, and, and how we uh, do our jobs and 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 live our lives, really, um, yeah. and, and live a fulfilling life. Um, so speaking of speaking of fulfilling lives, how about so with, with the new book coming out, what do you have going on this fall? Do you have you have school visits planned? Do you have any festivals you're off to? What's uh, what's next for uh, Kent Davis in the next few months? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of uh, I'm doing um, a lot of work. Well, so Montana is a place where you drive um, great distances uh, to get to other small towns sure. right I, bet. I think yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I think i mentioned like like our, our entire population is a million and so for example i'm gonna i'm going to i'll be at the flathead writers conference which is a um, um uh, uh association of writers strangely in a region called the flathead um they're really good at naming themselves and <laughs> I like uh, that. The flathead region. Hey, yeah. You know? Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, so I'll be driving, but it's like six hours mm. and it's still in Montana. And I know that that's from living on the East coast. Cause I went to, I went to university in Philadelphia, a, you know, a thousand years ago. That's like, you know, driving to, I don't know, Virginia or something like that. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I think you could, yeah. be, I think you could be to almost to my house in New Hampshire within six hours right. coming from Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be going to, I'll be going to some book festivals and, and, uh, and doing a lot of school visits and stuff like that, uh, over the next, um, few months, which I'm, I'm really excited about because there's definitely that push me, pull you of, uh, you're, you're deep in, you're deep in your revision mode and, and, you know, you're, uh, scruffy and your beard and you know you've got your hair shirt on you've got your shack which sounds just <laughs> painful. um but yeah so i'll be so i'll be doing i'll be at the i'll be at the montana book festival in missoula and doing some stuff in billings and also uh, hopefully some stuff a little bit later on in um in washington and oregon and i'm mostly doing uh, kind of closer closer to home regional stuff um but also planning some trips later on next year hopefully um farther afield yeah yeah that would be that would be great well and you know in portland especially you know in, in oregon that's a that's a that's a great spot for school visits and and you know with the with the bookstores they have there that's a i know that's I, i've been there so it's a if you can get out there if you haven't been there for oh, nice. school visits it's a it's i definitely recommend it they, they're very supportive um and comfortable with having you know authors come out so definitely check that out where can um so so what's what what are all the what are all the details what's the website what's the twitter account um if if you know teachers if if uh anyone wants to reach out to you if your fans want to reach out to you where can they find you kent where's the best place for them to go absolutely well um i am you can find me on my website at kentishdavis.com um so k-e-n-t-i-s-h davis dot com um and that's got all of my i have a pretty comprehensive sort of school visits page and i've actually been doing school visits for um 15 years now uh far before long before i was a writer teaching improv and storytelling and and acting and and all sorts of creative stuff to to kids that's terrific yeah that's great there's this amazing, um, amazing program in Montana, right, where you you travel around, and I and I have spent time in one room schoolhouses in places like McLeod, Montana, and and like you know doing doing workshops for eight kids, and that sort of stuff is just it. Uh, I, I I love doing it, um, but yeah, so uh, so KentishDavis.com is um, is my website, and you can also follow me on Twitter at at Kentish Davis. And there's also a Kent Davis author Facebook page. 
Um, I do have a Tumblr account, although that's not really uh, probably the best way to get a hold of me is through the contact form on my on my website. But I'm um, but yeah, Twitter is also a great way. Yeah, great. And I'll put all and I'll put all those links on the podcast notes so people people can find them. And um, and I I, I got to say I, I really enjoy talking with you. Believe it or not, we've been, we've been going almost an hour. And oh my god! Yeah. So so I could uh, I'm looking forward to picking up a copy of the se- of the second book myself, which is the Changers Key, right? Is that the is that the name? The Changers that Key. Yep. Changers Key, and it's and it's uh it's also a riddle in Ruby two colon the Changer Key. So right. <laughs> I know I know how those colons work. <laughs> we have to make sure we get our trilogy branding in <laughs> exactly um, oh and the uh, actually the paper book is uh, the paperback of riddle and ruby uh, if you want to get caught up and start in the first on the first book the paperback is is out now that's for, yeah that's great that's always that's terrific for for the you know the kids who, who may have been holding off now's the time to uh now's the time to pick up that uh, pick up the paperback and uh and like i said kit it's been it's been a ton of fun i really i really enjoyed you know having a chat with you thanks for coming on and you know maybe when the uh maybe when the, when the the trilogy is concluded We'll have to have you back on again. We'll do this again. Uh, sounds perfect, Paul. Thanks so much. This has been great, great fun. All right. My pleasure. And be- best of luck with it, with everything this fall. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, Telling Lies to Children was brought to you by, well, nobody. Just me and my guests. One of the nice things about being completely unknown in the vast world of podcasting is that you don't have to listen to me read 10 minutes worth of ads at the beginning and end of every episode. But I hope you'll check out my website, pauldurhambooks.com. There you can find out more about the Luck Ugly series, you can book a school visit, you can shop the newly opened Dead Fish Inn gift shop, or just reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from you. You can also find links to all of my guests' websites and social media there. So until next time, I wish you happy reading, ugly luck, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. See you next time.